for that. I'm so happy we get to partner with Bubba and Tammy. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us and for allowing us to partner with you. Very grateful. Thank you. Thanks, Kent. If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to open them with me, we are in Matthew chapter 12. <laughs> chapter 12. Matthew chapter 5, that threw you off, didn't it? Matthew chapter 5, those of you that have been tracking with us for a while. Uh, before we jump in, let me, let me pray. Lord, I ask that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you would talk over me while I talk to them. Lord, do this for your glory's sake. Do this for our sake, because we need a word from you. Do this for the sake of the world that you love. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start with a word uh, that I think will be desirable to you. So a word that I think you all want at one level or another. And that word is... Peace. As I put that word up there, is that something that you would say that you have? Do you have peace? Do you have peace like within you that, that you don't have the tightness in your chest all the time that would be maybe a product of anxiety or anger or frustration that you so there, there are a lot of people that walk around with tightness in their chest all day long because there's something they're mad about or afraid of. Do you have peace? Is there peace here for you? Or is it a good Sunday if there's people you manage to avoid? Do you have peace here? Like, is there people that you have unresolved stuff with? Do you have peace here? Do you have peace at your house? So are there unresolved things at your house that have been unresolved for a long time and you've just settled for a ceasefire? That's not peace. That's a ceasefire and you're just reloading, maybe. Is there peace at your house? What a lot of us want to do is find peace. So I'm looking for peace. I'm just trying to find peace. Kind of like looking for a quiet spot at your house. It's something that you have to find. Listen to me just for a second. Jesus did not tell us to find peace. Jesus told us to make peace. There's a big difference between finding peace and making peace. This is where we are this week. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Are you a peacemaker? Or are you a fight avoider? Are you a peacemaker or 
Are you one that insists on your own way and will not reconcile unless you get your way? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, as I've pitched this sermon, I usually pitch a sermon a couple times before you hear it. It's because I learn something every time I pitch it. And as I pitched this sermon a couple times to people, I learned that this sermon is going to generate a lot of pushback. Everybody, at one level or another, said, Yeah, but. So, just know, you're probably going to say that too. But let's listen to Jesus, okay? So, let's... let's Read it again, and then let's listen to Jesus, and we'll start back at the beginning and say what we've been saying for the last seven weeks. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. Okay, so what we've been saying for seven weeks is that Jesus is for your happiness. That is the word blessed. You see that word blessed nine times in these couple of verses. Blessed, 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 blessed. I don't know if that was nine or not. Maybe you were counting. I wasn't. I just kind of figured I should stop saying it. Jesus is for your happiness. So I've been arguing that every week in a little bit different way. I've been trying to say Jesus is for your flourishing. He is for your well-being. If you had kids, I'm guessing you would want them to be happy. And you'd think of that happiness as flourishing and well-being. Jesus is for your well-being. And that doesn't mean that he's not for your repentance. So Jesus, because he's for your well-being... Because he's for your flourishing, because he's for your happiness, he wants you to repent, to change. And so we read uh, the summary of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is when you were going one way, so I was insisting that my name be glorified. I was living for my kingdom to come. I was will, living for my will to be done. And I repent. I change directions. And now I live for God's name to be glorified, for God's kingdom to come, and for God's will to be done. It's, it's a change of mind. It's a change of direction that has to take place in all of us if we're going to be blessed. So the Beatitudes, we've said, are like a map of repentance. And I'll, I'll come back to this at the end, but peacemaking is right up here near the end. It's like we didn't start with blessed are the peacemakers, we start with blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a reason because peacemaking is like brain surgery. It is really, really hard. And maybe this is why I've gotten so much pushback on it. It's really hard. I think it's important to remember that Jesus isn't just telling us to do something he was unwilling to do. Jesus isn't telling us, go and make peace while I sit up here in high heaven and stay safe. Because you're probably like, peacemaking is bloody, difficult work. And Jesus would say, I know. It is bloody, difficult work. See, he had to make peace with us because sin is like an act of war against the kingdom of heaven. Sin is siding with the enemy. Sin is flipping off the king of kings and lord of lords 
Sin is disobeying a direct order from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Sin is something that God cannot overlook. We've said before, sin is like a debt that has to be paid. Sin is like a crime that has to be punished. So, Jesus, according to the Apostle Paul, as he looks back at Jesus' whole life and looks at the source material, like the Gospel of Matthew, he summarizes the whole thing and says that Jesus made peace by his blood of the cross. This is what Jesus was doing. He was making peace between us and God. So Jesus isn't asking us to do something he was unwilling to do or something that he wouldn't do. Jesus went first. He is for our flourishing and modeled the way and peacemaking is bloody work. Yes, it truly is. Jesus made peace by his blood shed on the cross. So what should we do? Well, I think it's... <laughs> Painfully, can I say that? It's painfully obvious we should make peace because this is a godlike activity. They'll, become, they'll be called sons of God. You know, at times in the Bible, um, Jesus calls a guy, you son of the devil. Does he mean biologically? No, he means you're acting like him. When Barnabas is called, he's the son of encouragement, does he mean biologically? No, he's saying that this is what you're like. This is your character. When we make peace, it is a godlike activity. That is something that is close to the character of God. It's something that God would be for. I think you, I think you want peace. It's just terrifying the thought of making peace. The thought of having the conversations you're going to have to have to make peace, terrifying. The thought of the confrontations or the thought of how will they respond if I talk to them, terrifying. But this is what God is like as Jesus made peace with us by his blood on the cross. So, so start by thinking, I am so thankful that Jesus made peace with me, that he did not stay up in high, safe, clean heaven he came to earth and walked among us, taught us, died for our sins, and rose again on the third day. Start with that. Jesus made peace with me. There are times, there are times when every parent um, bangs head bangs heads with teenagers, I think. I think that's true. I don't know. Like, sometimes my teenagers and I bang heads. And I have to, I have, I usually, usually I, I just stop at some point, like, because this is unproductive to keep banging heads, because we're not going to come to an agreement. We're just, we're, but I'll say to them, look, I might be wrong. And, and I truly mean that. Like, I'm not just saying that. I know that there's a good possibility that I'm wrong because I'm wrong so often. So it's not, it's not fake. Like, I could be wrong. But I am only for you.
And they usually can't argue with that. Like, Here's the thing. God is never wrong. Never ever wrong. And he is only for you. And you see this by his blood shed on the cross. He is for your flourishing. He is for your good. So follow him in making peace. This is his directive to us. Make peace. Peace. Now, how do we do this? Well, we're going to look at further on in the Sermon on the Mount to see this. And if you're like, um, I just, I have so many questions about this, I just want you to know we're going to come back to this in a couple weeks. Because we're going to preach every verse, every word just about of the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to hurry through it, we're going to go slow. But you're going to get a foretaste of what's coming in a couple weeks this morning as we talk about making peace. So how do we do this? Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Let's look at what Jesus said about making peace a little later on here. He says this, So, if you're offering your gift at the altar, so you've made your way to the temple from Galilee, you know, you've walked your two and a half, three days, and you finally get to Jerusalem, you've walked up the big hill, and there you are, you've waited in line all that time, you got your animal there, and it's finally your turn, it's, it's finally your turn, after all this wait, it's finally your turn, and there, remember that, I'm going to read this wrong on purpose to get your attention, so that you see what's really up there. And remember that you have something against someone else. Is that what it says? No. Let's read it together. And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, stop. It's not that you remember I'm mad at them. It's that you remember, oh, they might be mad at me. What you're not supposed to do is say, well, then that's their problem. If they have a problem, they can come talk to me. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're also not supposed to say, oh, well, I'm probably making that up. It's probably just my imagination. Oh, well, let's keep going. Oh, well, I'm just going to forget this on purpose and keep going. Denial is not a path to peace. Denying the problem will not help the problem go away. So, number one, if you want to be a peacemaker, number one is actually face it. Like, remember. This is what Jesus says. Remember it. Don't deny it. Remember it. And leave your gift there before the altar... So, you, you know, you've, you've walked all the way there, you've waited in line, it's finally your turn, and you're like, remember, and so you leave your gift there at the altar, and then what are the next two words? Some of you have been reading ahead. And go. And go to them. You're like, yeah, but it's better if I go to somebody else first. Is it? Is that better? 
it's better if I go to this person or that person or the other person instead. That's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said is, when you remember that they might have something against you, then what you do is you go to them. Go to them. So if you're taking notes, what I need you to do is write down this phrase. Peacemaking is passive. Got that phrase written down? Peacemaking is passive. Why don't we read that together? Peacemaking is passive. Now, what I'd like you to do is cross off the word passive and write active. Peacemaking is not something, like problems don't just magically float off. Like, oh, I don't know what happened. It's like smoke. It just kind of went away. Peacemaking is hard, bloody work. Peacemaking is, requires intentionality and skill. Peacemaking at church requires hard work and skill. Peace work, peacemaking at your home requires hard work and skill. Peacemaking everywhere you go, it requires hard work. It's active work. Jesus said, first, be reconciled to your brothers. So after you've gone to them, so you may, you know, you, you waited in line, it was finally your turn, you remember, so you, you don't live in denial, you, you remember, so you leave your gift there, and then, and then you go and be reconciled. So first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You know, there's speculation about what kind of, and we'll talk more about this later, but this might have been a peace offering. That'd be something, wouldn't it? To be offering a peace offering while you're at war with your brother? It'd be something, wouldn't it, to be taking communion while you don't have communion with your brother? First, let's keep the order right. First, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So let's talk about what peacemaking is not. Peacemaking is not appeasing. Peacemaking is not giving them whatever they want as much as they want. I was reading a commentary that was written shortly after World War II by Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he says, this is not appeasement. He's writing, thinking about Nazi Germany that took and took and took and took, and everyone's like, here, please take. I don't want to go to war. Please, we don't want to go to war. Please, we don't want to go to war. He's like, you can't appease them. You end up doing stuff that is wrong and bad and end up going to war anyway. But we're not just talking about nations. We're talking about interpersonal relationships between people too, aren't we? Appeasement is not peacemaking. So you giving them everything they want, every time they want it, so please, will they just go away and be happy? That's not peacemaking. Peacemaking is not putting them in a headlock and saying, you're going to do exactly what I want every time I want you to do it. And you walk around with them in a headlock, and, and they don't get a choice in the matter because, doggone it, we're at peace. That's not peacemaking. That's not reconciliation. 
Peacemaking is not a ceasefire, like his cold, angry silence. And he's like, oh, finally, finally, this is peace. That's not peace. That's just a ceasefire. That's not what you really want. That's not a reflection of God's triune love for you. See, peacemaking must be mutual. Peacemaking must be an embrace. It must be two-sided. Again, we'll talk more about this in a couple weeks. But right now, I just want you to, because I, I think there are probably lots of questions about this. I probably just kicked the hornet's nest a little bit. But let's not try to escape from what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Before we just say, well, my situation is different. Well, my situation, well, it's all. What did Jesus say? I, I have to face that. You have to face that. And if you're here and you're like, man, I can't do this. I can't. I won't do this. And I can't do this. Well, welcome, because blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you, peacemaking is near the end up here, and part of that is because you can't be self-righteous and a peacemaker. You can't be all full of yourself, and I'm right, and I'm never wrong, and it's all their fault, and make peace. That doesn't work like that. First, come to the end of yourself. Come to the end of your self-righteousness. Come to the end of being full of yourself. You're one step closer to being able to make peace. Empty yourself out of self-righteousness. Second, mourn your sin. So if you're like, I, I've never done anything like that, you're probably not ready to make peace yet. I am, I mean, there's nothing wrong with me. I have nothing to confess. Really. Well, that, and then it's going to be tough to make peace. Stop taking matters into your own hands to make things happen the way you want them to happen in your time. And submit your strength to God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. If you're like, we're going to have peace by the end of the day, and it's going to be on my terms, and, well, no. Blessed are the meek. That's probably not a great way to make peace. But you have to want peace. You have to be like, I want peace. I want, to this. I want righteousness. I want this to be right. You have to want it. You can't be happy with living like that. And that's blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To, to make peace, you have to be ready to show mercy. 
on some level to somebody, you have to be willing to show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for theirs, for they shall be shown mercy. If you're gonna if you're gonna make peace, you have to not be utterly conflicted within yourself and driven by sin, but also driven by a desire for righteousness, but also driven by sin, and you're always back and forth and not sure who you are or what you want, you're not sure about any of it. You have to be pure to make peace. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that leads to the people that have received mercy, the people that have become pure in heart because of that mercy. They're ready then to be peacemakers. You want to be a peacemaker? Jesus said, blessed, happy, well-being is for peacemakers. Who would God have you make peace with? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, and Lord, I thank you for how you pull us towards yourself by mercy. Lord, I pray that you would give us a desire for peace that overwhelms our fear of conflict. I pray that you would give us a desire for righteousness that overwhelms our fear of discomfort. I pray that you would work supernaturally to give us give us a humility that would lend itself to making peace. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.